Good afternoon and welcome to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me, as always, is my good friend, Jim Stam. How are you holding up, brother? I'm doing all right, Gary. Uh, it's nice to have someone new on this week. Um, we got to meet him recently, and this is going to be good, I think. Well, we got to meet him in person anyway. I yeah, mean, yeah. <laughs> perfect segue, right? It's It's my great pleasure to say we have our friend, Adam Yarkovsky, forever from here on out, referred to as Yark on the show today. That's it. It's going to be Yark. You probably know him as Yark. I mean, he's kin, folk. That's what he is. Like Jim and I, he too outkicked his coverage on his second marriage. And if you talk baseball online, chances are you have met the man. He is Yark. Say hello, brother. How's it going, guys? Thank you for having me. Uh, Long time. First time? Second time? Is that how it works? <laughs> well, people are supposed to say that to you now oh. Now that you're on. You're part of the media market, <laughs> yeah. right? You get to call yourself fake media, too, now. Enjoy that. Awesome. I mean, you'll wear it well, I'm quite sure. I'll follow MM, I guess, at some point and just get yelled at, I guess. <laughs> he'll, he'll find you eventually. Right. At some point. We don't talk about something he cares about, so we don't have to worry <laughs> right. about it too much. That's true. Good point. Um, so I figured let's start with an easy topic today because I, I already know that Yark is a, is a, pr- a proven raving lunatic when it comes to this stuff. <laughs> Are the Pirates going to do better next year if they do nothing else? Does the record improve? And I, I, I mean, we had a conversation a while ago online, Yark, where you were talking about like 200 home runs no. coming out of somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> What's my bet with uh, James is I think it's 174, which is a 50, 50 more than last year. So so somehow you think they're hitting more home runs, which I'm not even going to get into that debate. But if you think that, I'm guessing you think the record's going to be a little better this year. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I, and I was looking. It's, just, it's mostly just because it's really hard to be that bad. And I know everybody looks at them and says they're the worst. But they, people said they were the worst when they were over 500 in 2018. You know, they still forget that that was an over 500 sure. team, you know. But I was looking, and it's just like cutting a lot of the dead weight. I, I was looking, and um, they they really, they so many guys played. There was 65 guys played. Six, or no, 65 guys. Yeah, 65 guys played, and there were 30 of them were negative war players. And that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> you know, all you have to do is a little bit better than that. You know, it was like a total of, Almost 10, negative 10 war from them, 30 players. You don't really have to be that good to improve off of that, you know? And then when you look at guys like Cruz, you hope that his offense has to be better than Kevin Newman's is. It just has to be. You know, the defense, we know it's not going to be. But I think that's going to help them win more games than Kevin Newman's defense. See, that's an interesting pivot point for it, though, because really – you know, I think a lot of people are attributing some stuff. And, Jim, I'll let you talk to this a little bit. I think a lot of people are attributing some of that improvement to some of these younger players, like Rowanzi coming up and Cruz and, you know, who, who knows which outfielder. So maybe Swaggerty makes an impact, <clears throat> something along those lines. In many ways, maybe their improvement level is kind of held at the mercy of how quickly they're willing to call these kids up. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think too, like, obviously, uh, just to reiterate here is we're talking about um, the Pirates as they are, like, right now. Yeah, they don't add anything else. Right, let's just say this is it, and let's hope. Let's hope that that's not the case. I, I, I hope there's still a little bit more tinkering that's going to go on here um, because I think there might be an opportunity to do that. But, uh, yeah, so as it stands right now, uh, and and I think you look at it, it a lot of it is going to come down to when are they willing to pull the trigger on some of these younger guys? Um, will it be – Early on, will they be forced into it simply by something like performance in spring or injury or anything like that, right? I mean, I think, isn't that how Brian Reynolds even got into the lineup? Brian wasn't Reynolds it? was a series of injuries, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot can happen. So you've got that element to it. And, you know, it's funny. You can almost make a case that they could actually be better and it not show up in this, the, the win losses. So, you know, um, it's really going to depend on how you look at that. Um, well, they, the way I guess I understand where you're coming from because they had a number of blowout losses last year that kind of just, they, they took that, Oh man, we're not winning and took it to woe is me territory. Right. Yeah. So, so York, we, we're talking about like how quickly they bring guys up and everything. And ah. we, we obviously don't know in the CBA, like where you're talking are right. they going to get rid of the Super 2? I think without the Super 2, I think we can have a reasonably intelligent conversation about these people coming up. I don't think there's any of them that are ready off the jump. Like, there, maybe Cruz plays his way onto the roster right away. But, man, a, a part of me wants to see him get a little more than a week in AAA. I mean, maybe maybe that's old-school baseball thought on my part. Uh, I, I mean, not not really. I, I mean, I see how that's how I think that's going to be more of the way it works this year. Like, um, I think they started a lot of guys like him. He should have started in AAA. He would have started in AAA if twenty twenty wasn't the mess. No, I was kind of surprised they didn't do that. You're right. right. And he actually did that with a few guys that you know it was questionable, like Bolton. But you know, before his injury, he was thought to have been set up for AAA. So. The way I think of it is like they're not really looking at it as double A, triple A when they, you know, when they put it together last year. Now, well, they've said as much too. They they've said they think of them as a step away from the majors, both of them. Right, so. and so now uh, I think the like the lot of the journeyman type minor leaguers that were in triple A are kind of going to get bumped out by more of uh, Charrington's guys that you know are more a part of his vision for what he wants going forward. So um, I think Cruz's at-bats were just count count him as what they would have been in triple A. Like, I think he's going to probably see a few weeks depending on it's that extra year. It's not even that super two. It's that extra year, man. If you, you can't, the throw away that extra year is like just throwing a player in the garbage, you know, never play it, you know, one full season of prime player in the garbage. So, you have to do that. And, you know, first yeah, time, I mean, I, again, that. we could go down the rabbit hole with, with the league rules and everything. But, Jim, yeah. I think what I'm trying to get at here is is more let's take all that noise out of it. Let's talk just from a development standpoint. Uh-huh. Are you comfortable with spring being enough to pull anybody directly up from AAA that you see right now on the horizon? 
Like I've heard I, a lot of people throw Diego Castillo out there, which to me is like he's already kind of rocketed up, like since yeah. we got him. So, I mean, I would, I I would entertain it. Do I think they're going to? In you know, let's just assume we have semi of a normal season and you know a decent amount of games and whatnot. No, I don't think they're going to. I, I, I and I certainly think they're going to treat it as a case by case basis. Um, I do think Yark was on to something just just out of sheer uh, luck. Yeah, luck in the law of averages. It's going to be. I mean, they lost 101 games last year. So, do I think they're going to be better? Yes, right. I think you're going to see an improvement in that winning percentage because we might not be dealing with the same amount of games at this point. But um, I, I can see it marginally being better. I don't think you're going to see anything between more than five or ten games. Would be boy, that would be pushing it. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, I think that would be on 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 the the high end of things, the ten game mark. But um, you know, I would definitely, if some guy comes up and pushes for playing time and shows that he uh, deserves an early look, I would do it. But you do have other factors to to consider with that too. I mean, I think that's a good place to take a quick break, but when we come back, we should probably pick up this conversation because everything we talked about really surrounded around mostly the position player rookies. I want to talk about the pitching a little bit. We are back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. We got our buddy Yark with us, and Jim, as always. We're ready to uh, continue our conversation a little bit about basically, do we see some improvement in this roster already, even without the Pirates making any more moves? And yes, of course, all of you out there saying that uh, baseball isn't a standstill, we, we're aware. We're just pretending it's not right now because we just want to talk baseball. Um, I, we, we spent a lot of time talking about the position players, and I think something we need to touch on is the mound because the outlook, I think, when you look at the mound right now, what they have even in the rotation and and potentially moving into the bullpen from that rotation, to me, looks like a stronger crop than what they had last year. And, and Jim, I don't know if you remember last year, really. We weren't really recording this yet, so I don't know how in-depth you were, like, going into spring of 2021. Unfortunately, I was, but go on. But, <laughs> well, you remember we were having different conversations that, that last year. Like, um, mm-hmm. how the heck are we going to fill out a five-man rotation? And, yeah. you know, we, we were talking about, like, Trevor, your Cahill coming hey. in and legitimately being a member of that. And, like, no doubt he should be a starting option here. And, and, and he still had good uh, Fangraphs war numbers. Yeah, it's like what? How? How was that guy okay? <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's that curveball. It's all that curveball. Yeah. He Wainwrights people, but he's like a fifty percent Wainwright, sadly. So, so Jim, 
I think when you look at the mound, it's a much more positive scene this year, even if they don't do anything else. Yeah, I mean, you've got to collect the, – look, the collection of arms, I think there's just more of potential there. And um, when you've got more arms to at least go through and see who kind of looks better, uh, whatever kind of spring training we have or the first month of the season, even which may turn into a little bit of a spring training type exercise right, right. once they get it going. But, um, yeah, I think they're in better shape just because the the arms have – you're talking about some younger guys now, a little bit of influx of um, talent from a couple other organizations now. Yep. So the ironic thing about it is when we were talking about the offensive side of things, we're talking about guys were w kind of waiting to give a boost from the minor league system. Whereas on the pitching side of things, we're talking about guys that are already kind of here for this year, at least, the 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 young pitching is still a little and, bit and ways away. Backed by young pitching, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got young pitching that isn't probably even really if if the, if everything went right, might not even get a shot this year. Yeah, Max, I mean, the, like Max Cranick may not play. Right. <laughs> You know that's I mean? really yeah. I mean that's the. I mean that's at least my hope is that, or they're not forced into doing some of those things or feel that they have to rush someone. So you go with the guys that they've got a collection. Uh, we've already talked about. You could name how many guys as potential starters this year. Now right. someone might say, well, that's kind of like having <laughs> two quarterbacks. Then you have none. I don't look at it that way with the Pirates this year. I look at it like more the more options you have, the better. You're going to have to insulate yourself against some injuries. And I think that's where you actually could see the improvement. I, I think you're right. And I actually think that it's going to bleed into the bullpen as well. And Yark, you've been around long because you're oldest and just like we are. <laughs> we, uh, yes, we, yes. <laughs> but you remember like years ago, you'd have a pitcher like Miguel – Hurray, like in double A, and right. we'd have been salivating. Right. We, we oh, would yeah. have circled on the calendar when we really thought he was going to come Rudy up Owens and who he'd guy. face. But you know what I mean? Oliver Perez is a really good example oh, of like, yeah. you know, he's coming up through the system. You're like, oh my, this guy's lights out. Pirates have a decent amount of those right now. Right. Max Cranick's yeah, almost a triple-digit pitcher with really, really killer stuff that kind of came out of nowhere and jumped all the way from double-A last right. year. Yeah, you've got that 40-man spot and then open some eyes. Right. And you have to open some eyes with that. and then So they've, yeah. they've got some interesting pieces there. Mitch Keller's a project still. I'm not sitting here saying like that he's absolutely going to crush it next year or anything, but he's certainly still got the talent. Right. You know, they – They've done some things here. I think they've lined up some things. Zach Thompson's interesting. They've done some things to insulate themselves a little bit. So they're, they have the kids there, and if the kids win, great. But the kids don't have to win. Right. They can, they can go by with what they've got a little bit, you know? Yeah. yeah what I do agree. you think of the setup right now with, with the pitching? I, I mean, it, it looks better to me. I mean, I think it's going to go – it could go a lot of ways. And even like you said, add in no one. But number one, with everything, pitching and the bats, it's like health. Health. I mean, they have some depth, but people have to stay healthy because once – I mean, you don't want to have to start forcing up, you know, guys like um, Majinski or, you know, whatever. I know he only seen that one 
game and he's a double a pitcher yeah for sure but you don't want to be forcing him up later in the year because everybody's arm fell off and you know See, that's the thing up. right now like the way they're set up isn't that it's like a cody good, bolton right. this year yeah right so right. i mean they even have an extra layer of insulation too right like guys i don't think are quite gonna make it this year before you even start touching those prospects, those prospect prospects. Right. So to me, I love the setup right now. It's just a cascade of pitching. I think a lot of of the guys that don't make the – I don't even know if they're going to start with five. They might start with five. They might go with six. They might do an opener, piggyback some guys, you know, the start. You know, if they don't want to bump a Will Crow straight to the bullpen or even Brew Baker or one of those guys and – Seems I mean, like I'd love to. I'd love to have that talk about the early season light schedule, but we may not have that. So, um, you know, they'll probably have to start with a normal rotation, I would assume. But Jim, yeah, well, there's all those days off and stuff too. Jim, who who is you is going to wind up in the bullpen out of that mix? Because I think your best crop of pitchers, besides like David Bednar and. You know, I, I think besides Stratton and, and David Bednar, you're probably looking at your best crop of pitchers being starters for the most part. That's where I'm at. So I right. would think like Will Crow winds up in the bullpen. Maybe even a Max Cranick finds his way into the bullpen. Um, what what do you think? I mean, who's who are your biggest and best options there out of that starting crop? You know. Um... It's I like you said. I mean, obviously, you've got you've got Bednar, you've got Stratton, you've got um, um, Sam Howard still going to be there. Um, I think Bob Walk will be happy to hear that. <laughs> I still like Sam Howard, by the way. Um, I think you got guys, Underwood probably again. Underwood, which you know. He did eat innings last year. Yeah, it was in, that. It's exactly what I was going to say is he did eat innings. Um, I think Dylan Peters is a guy that yeah, you could yeah, see absolutely. really fit into a good role there. Um, because I don't know if, if, if ideally he's got enough to stay in a starting rotation, but I think if you could put him in, you could get, either something situational out of him or maybe even two, three innings if you had to. So he's he's got some versatility to him. I'd like to see Will Crow eventually end up in the bullpen. Um, but he's as somebody that... It, as you go through it, though, I think you start to see there's some tough decisions, right? There, there, there definitely is some tough decisions. Um I think we'll probably be looking at someone like Cranick may end up in the bullpen if the starting rotation works out well enough. But yeah, I mean, a lot of it depends on too. Is Roanzi in the picture right away? I don't right. know. Probably, I don't know if he is. Probably not. But I mean, you know, you got Blake Cedarland's going to be working his way back in this year. That's at right. Some point, and I don't, I don't put much stock in the starting thing, no matter what he wants. No, like, me either. Pretty sure he's already made bullpen guy. But you know, even somebody like uh, Nicholas that they just got from the Marlins, you know, a lot of scouts have him profiling more as a reliever than a starter. 
Well, that could really accelerate his timeline too. If he's right. if they find out he's a bullpen guy, he could be there next year. Right. Definitely. With, with he stuff. Could. So you've got a really nice mix, and I don't think we should give up on Mears yet either. That kid can throw hundred miles an hour too. Some so he know, actually he's actually someone to keep an eye on. I think. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of options, and and honestly, I I don't want to get like too crazy optimistic. It's a pirate show, but the. The pitching has me intrigued, at least. At least I feel like maybe the best way to put it is at least I feel like I don't have a predetermined idea in my head of how everything's going to turn out. I, I actually think there's enough potential there that I see room for improvement, and I think the, the, the basement is a lot higher than it's been. Well, and just by just by virtue of and this, this goes back to a little bit what we were talking about in the first segment of on the offensive side of things by keeping guys that really just have no business being either on the mound or in the outfield, like you know the Kaya Toms of the world or the Del Pozos of the world, yeah. guys that just I mean we just needed bodies, yeah. and they. They are past that point. Um, I think I, we can safely say that. Yeah, uh, you know, like Kyle Cricks and Neverosk. Yes, and Neverosk is exactly another guy I was thinking of. So, you know, just to get past that point of things and bring it back to what we were talking about originally, I do think you're going to see some improvement. Um, getting those types of players out of there, uh, no offense to those guys, um, but – they weren't really major league caliber ballplayers. Well, see, that's the first point Yark made when we first started talking about this was was the the subtraction of all those subwar players. And yeah, I think that, I think on the mound is where we're going to see that the most. What do you think, Yark? Yeah, it, I mean, it, it can't be hard. That bullpen was so bad. You know, the bullpen was so bad in the back end of the starters and. And, and you're and you're right. Like there is guys like even you know you love Mears. I think he's gonna. He might be one of the first guys DFA'd if they need room, kind of guy. But like he does have good stuff, and if that's like where you're at, where he's at the back end of your forty man into fifty, yep. then then you're in better shape than you were, you know, before. Before you're counting on him to be a middle of your bullpen type guy, and you know to really make some eat some innings up and and take care of business. But you know, you know, look, just looking at the names and stuff now, it's just it's so much better than it was. You know, it just you have youth coming and you have young guys like in their prime that can, like you said, you need a surprise. You just need they have like four or five guys that could, you know, when you're Crows right. and Kellers and Brewbakers and your Hurays and, you know, you're hoping Ronesy. I think it's going to be smart for him to stay down for a little bit. He might have to be like the super two weight guy. And that mostly could be just the save on innings. You know, if they do that right. six-man rotation every week, you're only going to pitch once a week, basically. Well, he did stress his elbow a little bit, too, yeah. at, at some point last season, which and I know they got through that scare. But <laughs> once you've had that, you know, that, that scare doesn't go away too easily. Yeah. So, yeah, so. <clears throat> but yeah. We'll see. Plus, he, you know, it's, we were just talking to Greg Olson the other day, and one of the, you know, we talked about it was a rite of passage at this point to have Tommy John. So anytime, anytime a guy's like, you know, 22, 23, hasn't had it yet, getting close to the majors, throws oh, really man. hard. Absolutely. It's about that first, time. 
Yeah, the first thing I think is like, well, when's he gonna go on? You know, you start <laughs> you start projecting out those windows. You're like, okay, we should be good from 24 to 25. But what if that's when Rwanzi has his Tommy John? And yeah, then I, you to know, get like ahead of the, the, the Neil Huntington stuff. Like he counted on tie on so much. You know, he was supposed to be the next big piece coming yeah. up. And, you know, look what happened, you know, to Tommy John or, you know, well, he had the one and the minors and then, you know, the cancer thing. But yeah, that was an unlucky dude. So, yeah, I Let guess me, this, since Yark wants to segue, we should probably segue. Uh, or do you got one more point? Yeah, yeah. Like I was going to say is even when you go back and you look out, it's funny how uh, quickly time can pass where you're just like names you so quickly forget about. Probably because we want to. <laughs> but I mean, even look at the 2020 roster, you're talking. Nick Tropiano. I mean, <laughs> you know, never Oscus. Yeah. You're talking. Um, well, Miguel Nick had to pitch that year. Yeah, Miguel Del Pozo. Um, Michael Feliz was a mess. I mean, just guys that we're not going to have to hopefully see that kind of uh, fringe anymore. And right away, that tells you at least they're in better shape. Yeah, I think that's. That's probably one of the most dramatic changes, too. I mean, that, but as we transition into our conversation, because the next topic we're going to talk about is, you know, is Neil Huntington really as bad as people want to remember? You know? <laughs> um, and I know nothing that's going gets, to be a really popular topic. Nothing gets Pirates fans more fired up than that stuff. But, but as we segue into that, that was something right off the bat that Neil Huntington was very good at, building bullpens. I mean, he was excellent at that. He'd find guys off the scrap heap. You know, he'd, he'd turn them into something. Chris Stratton's one of them. You know, so it, you know, Richard Rodriguez was one of them. You know, and, and they may not ever work out for another team. They may not ultimately be a good trade piece. They may not even be good for more than like two, three years, but somehow, some way, they came in here and did a good job for a while. So I guess what makes me think about this is I, I see a lot of um, Ben Charrington can do no wrong out there, and, and then I see a lot of um, Neil Huntington destroyed everything and left it a barren wasteland. I think a lot of people are kind of practicing a little bit of revisionist history on that. So I thought this is a good group of people to get together. We, we tend to, we tend to try to stay pretty reasonable about our thoughts. <laughs> we stay pretty reasonable about our thoughts when it comes to the team and what we think um, is an actual assessment of what's happened. So Neil Huntington came into a real mess. I felt from Littlefield, right? And when we say devoid of talent, what he walked into was devoid of talent. They literally had nothing. <laughs> and he somehow flipped what he did have into a team that started to win and towards the middle of the decade got themselves in contention. I, I think the way that he managed it after that is really where his reputation fell apart, right? So... When we talk about Neil Huntington and we talk about what Ben Charrington's doing, it's impossible for me to look at the prospect list, the top 30, see that 10 of them are Neil Huntington additions, and automatically assume that he is 
you know, the, the worst GM that ever lived. I mean, I, he had talent in the system. It was too far away for what he was trying to do. And his message got cold, and he wasn't being heard anymore. He screwed up. They fell apart after the window. That's, to me, the way it actually happened. We'll get into why, but, Yark, I'll go to you. What do you think about the job Neil Huntington actually did here? Do you think it's mischaracterized when people talk about him leaving the shelves completely bare? Um. Well, well, no, he did. He definitely did not leave completely bare. Yes, it's absolutely mischaracterized. But um, what he did was there wasn't enough close. Like I, you just basically just said that, but uh, and. And the last few draft picks didn't really pan out yet, you know, and Tucker got rushed. Newman hasn't hit like he should have hit except for that one year. Um, and then Will Craig, which I I still think Will Craig, Craig was a good baseball player, but he just wasn't good enough. You know, he just wasn't. He's He could do some things like he, he taught himself to be a good defensive first baseman. He came up as a third baseman, I believe. Yeah. And it just – and the power never came, and for whatever reason. And then I don't know if that's – you know, we'll probably get into the development of it. But is that part of it, or are they just bad picks? Yeah, I mean, it, and a lot of it was where they picked, too. They weren't picking anywhere okay, near the yeah. top. They're picking, like, middle to late. And there were just some poor picks in there. I, I think he definitely didn't have much to live up to to do better than Littlefield did when it came to picking. Right. But, Jim – you know, you look at the top 30 list, I, I see all these players that Neil Huntington brought in here. Quinn Priester, top of the board, right? Mm-hmm. Odeo Cruz. It's, uh, you know, Tanaj Thomas is somebody they traded, like, a couple of, like, people that just they didn't see a future in for for somebody that really could be a top 100 player pretty soon. Um. It's crazy to me. Travis Swaggerty is his, you know, last pick, but you know, I'm not sure how he'll pan out. But G1 Bay is up up on this board. It's it's crazy to me that people can just say that it was completely empty. It wasn't empty. I think, um, you know, there there are kind of shades to everything when you look at when you look at this. Um, one of the things that probably really hurt him the most was that there was the just the complete missing and 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 um uh complete um what's the word i'm looking for they they just didn't hit on anybody in the in when they did draft in in those top picks even though they weren't you know first second round third uh first or second or third picks in the draft but they just totally missed on the tuckers it looks like the newmans they missed on will craig so you can't you can't walk away with nothing there there was another side to that too that always frustrated me that nobody ever wanted to talk about because you know it's it's well documented that the first rounders were a lot of misses there Mm-hmm. You're allowed to pick some players in the second, third round that, that do well too, right? I mean, true. So, well, you have oh, to if you well, want sustained success. But overall, if you look at what he's brought in here, he stunk out loud at all that. Like they, they don't have a lot of that on their resume either. Mm-hmm. So 
drafting was a problem. It really was. I don't think he drafted well. And even though I did give him the excuse already of like he was picking late, you know, a lot of the time or mid, you can still get reasonably assured that you should have a, a, a player that at least makes the league. That's that's really what I was trying to get to is you just can't miss as much as they did as badly as they did. Yeah. Cabrera Hayes is a perfect picks. example of that. He's technically a first rounder. He was a comp pick, right? So he's, I guess you could technically say he's a second rounder, really. So they did okay there. I mean, like, yeah, but, right. but I, I don't see a lot of that in, in a lot of their picks. Cal Mitchell's somewhere in that mix, you know, they, and they went and got a little bit extra for him. And Matthew Frazier was a third rounder, I think. It was over the glass. No, it was a little later. Uh, Holmes was a little later. I was during that, that in that, right? Yeah, and I don't know if we want to count Holmes as somebody who's succeeded now, but I mean, but he made it to the league. Yeah, he, he made it to the league, and he had a good—he had a really good stretch with the Yankees last year. Yeah, and then you got even guys like Josh Bell and your Pedro Second Alvarez. Rounder, right? Yeah, I mean, like even that—the Pedro Alvarez of the world, the Josh Bell. Even that was a really mixed bag when it comes down to it. Is like, yes, there was some ability; they got something out of them. But it didn't. It wasn't sustained, and it certainly, um, you know, it just. Even those are the ones that you're looking at and saying, "Well, okay, boy, you would have hoped they could have done just a little bit better, even there." Maybe it's Buster Posey instead of Pedro Alvarez, where we have. Yeah, yeah. Considering that the Pirates would have kept Buster Posey for like maximum of like seven seasons, whatever. But- not have drafted Tony Sanchez. Maybe drafted Zach Wheeler yeah. a few picks later. Oh yeah, but that's a game. That's a game I hate playing. <laughs> that's because it's crazy. Well, and and, and 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 we're talking about you know, um, I mean, Huntington had the benefit of uh, uh, McCutcheon being in the system. Um, Walker, Mar- Walker, uh, Marte was correct. Yeah. So you're going to yeah. say his cupboard wasn't bare either. Well, I'm just saying that, like, when you're talking about high impact guys, and I and I and I I go back to that a lot. Um, I don't think he did a really good job of look. They're not easy to find, but you got to start. You got to start replenishing the high impact guys or have more on the way. That just never came. If if the Brian Reynolds thing doesn't happen by trade, ironically because of McCutcheon. Um, I mean, that, that bailed him out a little bit on that end, too, uh, just by virtue of getting a little bit lucky. Maybe. Or O'Neal Cruz and Quinn Priester turn into that. Could be. Yeah. It could be, but we don't know yet. So that's yeah. – yeah, I'm only going on so far on, on what we have. No, I, I completely get it. It's just when you when you look at it, I guess, like, to me, it's, it's maybe a little overblown that, that there wasn't anything there. I, I think the end of his story – it really comes down to one horrific trade, really bad development, and subpar drafting. I really think there was a lot of bad luck. <laughs> bad See, guys. some of it's bad um, luck. Yeah, I get you. you know, I mean, if, if if you get two decent players for Vasquez and trade before all that ugliness happens, you know that's you know one of those guys from the Dodgers. You know. <laughs> Uh, and then Gong, if he doesn't do all his – blow his knee out, then, you know, go for a little drive here and there. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, to me, Vasquez, that was a big mistake. I was really pushing for whatever the best deal you could get. I think you take it. Um, But, you know, that's neither here nor nor there now. He he didn't pull the trigger and, um, you know, then disaster happened. So, I mean, then again, I, I think that was a lot of his downfall. And we should probably take a break here because if I go ahead and give away what his real downfall is right now, there won't be any reason to come back from the break. So let's take a quick break. <laughs> Welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Uh, we're going to finish up talking here about Neil Huntington's tenure and, and basically just how devoid he left the place of talent. You know, did he did he bother sweeping before he put the apartment back on on the market? That's what we're trying to get to, really. I think his major downfall was not admitting it was over when it was over. You know, to me, trading Kutch should have been it. They, they should have known right then. When they traded Kutch and Cole, there, there was no bridge going to happen. Just traded the heart of those playoff teams. And then on top of that, had retirements come along and, and just things started falling apart. If he had pulled the trigger on a lot of moves right then and there, he could have restocked the system and kind of started what Ben Charrington picked up and started in 2019. Jim, that's where I'm at with it. I don't necessarily think he was a bad GM. I don't think he left the place in a shambles. I just think he could have probably spared his own job had he just admitted that the team window had closed. Yeah, it's a a really interesting um, uh, fork in the road there that you wonder why, because I don't think... But by all indications, I mean, even after, you know, the wheels completely fell off and uh, it sounds like Nutting was still happy with him. He wasn't going to make a change. It wasn't like I don't think he felt his job was in jeopardy um, where he had to make those kinds of moves or not admit that the window was closing. But, yeah, I mean, you would think and, and, and look, we're looking back on it knowing what happened and things seem off a lot more clear now. Oh, it's captain hindsight for sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it it really is. And so you, you know, you do want to be fair there, but you also mentioned we're podcasters. I I don't want to be right. We can, we can, we can be the expert. (laughs) That's the the fake media. So yeah, join in. Um, you would think once you moved off of guys like you said, McCutcheon and then Cole, you would think you would you would know. You would think that that would smack you in your forehead and say, exactly. I mean, especially when there's nobody ready to come up behind them that you're thinking, okay, great. We've got, we, we've got to move these guys. It's time for one reason or another. And if you had this, the next one of each coming up, 
then you could say, okay, well, we can still probably go and not miss a beat or, hey, you or know. at least it's worth a shot because it's worth, it's worth a shot. You've got I, an I've, O'Neill Cruz coming and you've got a um, Quinn Priester coming. Okay. Yeah. But my question would be, um, who did they think was coming? At that point, no, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's yeah, that's, that's answerable uh, by the Chris Archer deal. Nobody, right, right. They didn't so, think they had anybody coming. You know, I don't know if uh, you know. I don't know. Did he let? Did he let outside pressure get to him that he felt the need to make a move? I know that's been speculated. Or worse, too. inside pressure. Yeah, I, I think even Greg Brown mentioned that it, that he might have gotten a little bit caught up in that uh, at the time, which was just feeling like the need to make a move. Um, and then once you start going down that road, um, bad things can happen when you get yourself in that spot that you probably shouldn't have driven down that road to begin with. You know? Yeah, I mean, Yark, do you think he just heard one too many times that the Pirates never went all in? And then he decided to go ahead and do I, I his think, version of all in with what he possibly could muster together. I mean, I think he liked Archer and I think that the team president had a lot to say with it. I think he, he wanted to replace cool. That team was on pace to go over 500. They wanted to like pretend that they were winners again. And I think Frank pushed it, but and, and even and honestly at the time Meadows in just glass now would not have been a bad deal for Archer because those guys were struggling at the time. Meadows was up and down and he still is. He's very inconsistent. He showed power and he's been okay. And glass now he's, he's barely even pitched in his career. He's going to go, uh, he's going to be a free agent having pitched like, I don't know, maybe something like 300, 400 innings or something ridiculous. You know what I mean? And that's if he's ever the same after the sticky stuff. Yeah. Right, and he and he was up and down. Then it's what I was shocked is that they traded Baz at the at the end. Like when it happened, I'm like, oh my god, they just drafted this guy. I can't believe he's. Yeah, coach. how often is a player to be named later? Uh, <laughs> first a round pick of that caliber that you just made. That that was probably what floored me the most too. But I mean, I think I think they they desperately wanted the bridge talk to be true. And it wasn't. And instead of just backing out of it gracefully or making moves to to adjust course, they stubbornly stuck with it. And they did set the organization back a ways, which prompted the need to change the GM. So I guess I don't want to say that he left the cupboard bare, but I, I will say that he didn't mind the store very well. Yeah. And I think what it does is, too, for me, when I start looking at how even back to Littlefield and then, you know, Huntington and then, you know, got Sherrington right now. And the difficult spot these guys are in on these types of teams and these types of organizations where you don't have the payroll aspect to help uh bail you out a little bit is how many things you have to get right along the way. I mean, you know, whether it's drafting, whether it's development, whether it's your trades, whether it's making sure the system um, doesn't have just that three-year window that you can kind of start, 
stockpiling and replenishing as you go and you've got so you've got all these things and if you if you miss on one or two of them health luck yeah, yeah, yeah then yeah. you've got the health then you've got the luck and so when you miss on one or two of them it can really just blow things up on you yeah, and yeah. It just it to me, it's just a reminder of just the monumental task in hand for guys that take these types of positions and how good you have to be on so many levels and fronts. I mean, to bring it all around full circle, I think that's why, like a, a fan in of a small market team like we are, that's why I'm able to look at the mix of pitchers the Pirates have right now and actually work myself into being excited. Right. Well, the reason I say that is more starters. There's no names there. Like, there's no locked on. This guy's going to be an all star. There's no. I'm going to throw this guy out against their best every single time, and and we're going to win. Boy, if we get to a wild card, that's the guy I'm sending to the mound. There isn't any of that yet. What there is is a group of guys where I see that potential in a few of them, and. If all of that were to somehow hit at once, or at least three of them hit at once out of that big group that I'm talking about, all of a sudden you've got a pretty formidable rotation. Right. And that's how a team like this has to think. You can't go into it thinking, I've got these five guys. They're my starters. That's not good enough for a team like this because you can't go buy one when one of them comes up lame. In fact, how about Neil Huntington? You know, we talk about his bullpen, but that whole 2012 through even 2016, that like um, that was acquired. That whole rotation was acquired. You know, it was Locke and Morton and Liriano and AJ Burnett, and like they were all they. They basically he tried real hard bringing in Ollendorf and all those guys and Carsons and all those guys and hoping one of them guys would hit and they didn't. And, uh, and then he went and acquired that whole staff, you know, he drafted Cole, but he acquired that whole staff for that whole run and out of nothing, he got it out of nothing. He let Paul Mulholland walk. And that was his probably best pitcher he had, you know, Zach Duke walked or did he, I I can't remember if he traded him for nothing or whatever, but Really yeah, you're right. It was it was all brought in from outside, so it's not like it was developed. Maybe that's part of why we didn't recognize the real problems on the farm. And I know there were some writers that yeah. were raising alarm bells about that. Dayon's one of them, actually. Yeah, was raising alarm bells about that in the early you know 2010s about about the what the, what he was seeing in the development system that he didn't like. You know. I was just a dumb kid. I didn't really think about it much. Well, I was on those P, the PG comment thing or whatever. I yeah, yeah. What it was I was on there. That's you know. I've been hearing all the, the, the complaining and crying about ownership and stuff forever. But now you look at you look at it though with with clear glasses and you see everything. It's a lot easier to understand like where these things fell apart and why they fell apart. And and like I wish it was as simple as just. Bob Nutting. If anything, I like to blame him for not stepping in to to stop something as stupid as that Archer trade. Yeah, isn't that the takeaway a little bit? Is that Nutting is almost patient and loyal to a fault sometimes when it comes to 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 making moves. Um, certainly, he's cheap and you know has the you know. Um, the PR 
acumen of a, you know. <laughs> uh, oh, dude, I will die believing that um, if, if, and I'm not going to say this wouldn't have happened without Dayon, but like if, if he or somebody did not start some kind of a campaign basically saying like enough's enough, firm believer he doesn't fire them. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, he didn't want to. No, he no, he did not want to. It was so weird how it happened. Like it was, it was. I mean, they basically came out and said everything was good, and they weren't going to to do anything. And then, you know, a week later, everything was completely different. So, yeah, and, yeah, and if, even that doesn't happen if they didn't try to scapegoat Sirage and Hurdle. Yeah, right. Like yeah. if they didn't try to like put everything on them, like they caused it. By that fire, like, that that was what set everything in motion. That's what set everybody off. That was where, like, okay, accountability is cool, Bob, but you pointed in the wrong direction. <laughs> like, yeah. You got to take care of this. And and by the way, you let it happen, and you watched it happen. In many in many aspects, they were fortunate to be able to go out and still get a Sherrington. After, like, no, very true. Uh, you know, in the process where they they were, the way it was handled, um, I'd love to know how those assurances were made and um, those fears were kind of you know um, eased because I, I could see I could have seen it being a situation where nobody worth a darn would have wanted to get involved. Well, the right things had to have been said because that's two impressive executives that he right here. So I. I just can't believe they would come here for, without some kind of belief that they could actually get it done here. Uh, unless they're smart enough to see the writing on the wall where the league itself was going to change and they were going to be here to reap the rewards. Yeah. But, I mean, they're, ba- they're well, Charrington at least is a baseball guy, so he can't have seen this as, a, as something that would actually take place. Um, somebody, somebody's a good salesman, and I, I can't imagine it was nutting. But <laughs> you know, they're, they're here, so somebody did it. Right, must Maybe have. Rob, been. Rob was like, "Hey, we're gonna pull all, all the stops this year. We're gonna, we're gonna just throw it in a lockout, do nothing, and then do nothing, and just sit, and then we're gonna ask the feds to help, and then we're gonna do nothing." Did anything <laughs> happen today? No, not that I'm aware of. The owners' meetings are going to happen this week, so nothing will happen, if, okay, is my cool. guess, until those are done. Okay, I thought that was today, but yeah. And, and Yark, I was trying to not talk CBA today. We're not talking CBA. <laughs> not talking CBA. But if you want to go to switch a little bit of the topics, like um, that GM thing, like kind of like what the Steelers are doing now is a little weird. You know, it's a little weird not to go you know into the Steelers as a Pirates podcast, but how – Unless it's completely internal, you know, they know who the guy is. He's internal to not let a guy do a month of free agency in his draft. It seems super strange when you knew the guy was retiring for months and months and months, you know, to not have somebody in place or ready to go. It's kind of similar to just like, (sighs) I don't know. It's the kind of trust they have in him and, it would be basically like you say you're going to retire and the last week that you're at the post office, they're like, you're not doing your route, Yark. We don't trust you. Word. Well, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, they, they're, no, they trust him. That's that's all there no, is to No, I it. get it. But just, like, 
but what's that say to the next guy? Like what next guy wants to come in and it says the to the guy. next guy, if you, if you play ball and you do what you're supposed to do and you do a reasonably good job, we'll be this loyal to you. I guess. Yeah. And I, I also think too, you're dealing with track records, right? Uh, organizational track records. And, um, I think one, you can at least say, um, they might have a better idea of what they're doing and might have a better yeah, reputation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, it's not you know, yeah. So, all right. So back to the pirates yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. because their organizational track record counts too. No, no. Um, I, I, I like what's happening right now. I just wanted to kind of set the record straight on Huntington and it's Valentine's day weekend. So I figured it's let's love, go right? ahead and throw a love letter out to Neil Huntington because <laughs> he didn't leave us completely barren, even though nobody in Major League Baseball will hire him to, to even clean their shoes. He should have a job. I don't know how he doesn't have a job. Yeah, he doesn't. So not well, that I've it's seen anyway. It's just another reminder when we talk about things, rarely, rarely can you speak in absolutes. And right. I think that tends to happen with these types of situations. Um, and people tend to dig in on one side and then won't even admit that it's not all bad or it's not all good. Right. And, I find uh, conversation like that lethal, Jim. <laughs> like even when Gary said earlier how <laughs> – Well, Yark got it. Uh, he was a little late, but he, he got there. <laughs> um, we said earlier how um, – talking about trading Vasquez and after you traded McCutcheon and Cole, it was time to rebuild. But there was a, there's, there's 10 different ways you could build a team from there. You know, it doesn't have to be a full rebuild. They could have, they could have took Marte, Reynolds, Polanco, Bell, Frazier, Musgrove, Tyone, Trevor Williams, and Archer and added to that, you know, took a couple more dollars. I know, you know, it's, it never happens and this and that. And, but they could. You know, you could take a couple more dollars or – No, they, they certainly could. I, and we, and you're right. We far too often pretend that they had no options there. But and, I mean, just in absolute. You could, you could do it a million different ways. But you it's just, just a reality too, like, in this market. Owner. If you don't have anything coming from the miners – Correct, yeah. It's not sustainable. You can't right. afford for it no, to be. I agree. So and I think maybe, that takes an option off the table for how they could go about it here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like, um, you know, maybe if things would have worked out one of those years and they would have actually got to a world series or even one, you know, one of them, because let's face it. I mean, that one team was probably, you can make the case that they, they may have been the best team. Yeah. Um, just as good as any team in that playoffs. Right. So maybe then it'd be a little bit more forgivable, um, that, 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 yeah it didn't last and people would say, well, you know what? It was worth it. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter that they had to start from square one or close to it. Yeah. And they just, we just never got to that point. And that's probably the shame of it is, is just maybe with just a little better luck, maybe, maybe that conversation has a little bit different uh, color to it too. You know? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would probably close out this conversation with, you know, a parting shot about the CBA. If things don't change measurably, um, last is not a thing that's going to happen in Pittsburgh unless you're talking about what place they finish. They're not going to last as a team. Like, they're not going to have a seven-year window. That's just not going to happen. No, no. And they're not doing what the Tampa Bay Rays do. Because, honestly, most of you wouldn't put up with it <laughs> if they did. And, and you know that if you really, really, really are truthful with yourself. So... 
it is what it is. Let's hope for change. And uh, I'm going to wrap it up this week. That was a good conversation. Yark, really, yeah. really happy you joined us. Finally. Finally. Yeah, it was great, man. I really appreciate it. You guys do a great show. I wish you guys all the luck, much success. You're doing a great job. And, and I mean, the fans around here need it. It's a great outlet. Um, I'll be in touch with you guys, you know, every day, basically. So. Whether we like it or not. Yeah, I mean, it, yes, it, of <laughs> All right. Well, and and uh, you let us know when you're ready to come back on. We'll do it again. Anytime, anytime. Just ask, and I'll uh, I'll try to square away one day that she'll let me do. Yeah, we'll just ask, and then he'll ask his boss. I'll <laughs> get permission. Yeah, I'm probably in big trouble. One he'll try to make sure one of his kids doesn't break a limb, <laughs> and then he'll be good. Promises. So, how do people get a hold of you, Jim? Yeah, uh, Twitter all the time. You know me, Mr. Uh, Mr. Pittsburgh. So it's for the city underscore 412 or at Jim Stam 22. And man, I again, I just want to say thank you to everybody that tunes in and listens because we continue to grow. We continue to um, push ourselves and try to bring good content to the Pittsburgh Pirates fans and the city in general. So thank you again. And thanks, Yark, for coming on. No, no problem, guys. My pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah, this is really good stuff, everybody. And um, I just want to say, if you kind of look at both sides of every topic, even when it comes to something as silly as baseball, you'll be amazed how much more often you'll find common ground with people. That's really what this show's about. You talk in absolutes, you're going to hit roadblocks all the time. Don't do that. Have a conversation and be open to it. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to throw it to Ben, who's going to close the show out. Yes, your butt! <laughs>